Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I'm Katherine Eastman, the Archives Manager of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm David Leopold, the Creative Director. And we're back for our first episode of 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> that was Catherine's... Uh... <laughs> I wanted to do something creative, and the first thing I thought of to do was to hum the Star Wars theme, um, but that has nothing to do with the new year, and or be Al kind of weird. right? So although he um, do draw, he did draw Chewbacca. That's true. But we get asked that actually quite a bit. Are there any Star Wars drawings? And there are not. Um, it didn't have the cult following that it does today. Well, I guess. did he drew Chewbacca uh, as be- part of like a, a year in review yes. or like a com- a composite drawing? Yeah. Um, so just Chewbacca. There's several Star Trek drawings, but no Star Wars um, and no Lord of the Rings, which we don't get asked as much. But I always, I always feel bad. There's no Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's a much shorter list of what he did not draw. <laughs> yes, and Star Wars is on that very short list. <laughs> so back to regular programming here. We thought we'd start uh, by just catching you up on what we did last year. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Um, you know, for an artist who has been gone for 15 years, Al Hirschfeld remains pretty busy. Yes. 92 years after his first theater drawing, Hirschfeld's back on Broadway. Wow. Uh, at the Share Show, mm. where audience members can take home a T-shirt featuring his classic 1988 drawing of Cher and yes. uh signature Bob Mackey uh, costume mm-hmm. um, and, or they can pick up uh, a limited edition print of Cher at three different stages of her career yes. much like the performers in the show yep that's very nice um, authorized by the Al Hirschfeld Foundation completely um, authentic very nice. I'll also say you can also if you go to the website for the Cher show um, you can buy the um, the shirts there you can't buy the print online, at least last I checked. Right. But if Not you yet. if you can't make it to New York or you don't want to pay the ticket, you know, ticket fare to see the share show, you can still get a T shirt. Put share on your chest instead of hair on your chest. <laughs> I'm gonna go with neither. Okay. But that's just me as a woman. There there you go. <laughs> The, the t-shirts look great and the they prints do, they really, really do. we are very very pleased with how the prints turned out they look excellent and this is really Hirschfeld's return to Broadway and uh, as we put in our newsletter uh, to quote another great musical it's nice to have uh, him back where he, he belongs, belongs. <laughs> very nice but uh, Hirschfeld's uh, work at the share show is not the only place you can see his work uh, in New York right now so where else? If you listen to this podcast, you know that there are not one but two exhibitions on right now in Manhattan, 10 blocks apart, where you can see over 25 pieces of original Hirschfeld artwork, uh, drawings and prints, and a few reproductions in two exhibitions that celebrate the 75th anniversary of City Center. Right. Um, One is over at Lincoln Center, and one is over at City Center. and there's some great pieces there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Paul Robeson in Othello, uh, Beverly Sills, Marcel Marceau. Um, Jose Ferrer. The Grand Kabuki, uh, which had its premiere at, uh, which had its American debut at City Center in 1960. Right. Um, and those are not the only places you can actually see Hirschfeld artwork right now. Um, if you go out to Nassau County, to the Nassau County Museum of Art, there's a show called Wild Kingdom, A Hundred Years of Animal Art. Right. And in there are four kind of unusual drawings. For sure, for sure. There are three outdoor life drawings. 
I believe. Um, and Hirschfeld did, oh my gosh, a lot of outdoor life drawings. Well, for 12 years, he did a drawing once a month mm -hmm. for Outdoor Life magazine on the back page, uh, usually, right. uh, to go along uh, with a humor column. Um, and Outdoor Life is like a hunting magazine. I mean, it's exactly it's what it sounds like. Yeah, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. So um, the reason there are three of those in that Wild Kingdom show about animals is because they feature probably the most, I mean, if you want to find a Hirschfeld drawing of an animal, really the first place you would go to are the outdoor life drawings because there's skunks, there's shrimps, there's moose, there's deer, there's fish, there's dogs, there's birds, there's all kinds of animals. Um, and you don't really see that on Broadway. <laughs> Right. So there's Although the first animal drawing I think of with Hirschfeld mm -hmm. is the man in the dog suit, uh, oh, Hugh Cronin and Jessica yeah. Tandy. See, I think of the Jack Haley seal sea lion drawing. What about uh, Storm Over Patsy? That's uh, a good one too with all the dogs. You got yeah. Jumbo with the elephant. Oh yeah. No, there there are Hirschfeld animal drawings to be <laughs> sure, but the most the the um you know the the greatest concentration yes is in the outdoor life drawings. And, the, yeah. and so uh, three of those are uh, in the yes. in this exhibition at the Nassau yeah. County Museum through uh, March third. Oh, it's coming down. To uh, well, I mean, we've still got two and a half months, and so true. it's not that soon. Um, and if you've been uh, in New York or Los Angeles, or if you are currently in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm. or going to be going through there anytime soon, you can see. Uh, Hirschfeld drawings and prints of Leonard Bernstein. That's right. And West Side Story yep. uh, in a centennial exhibition on Leonard Bernstein right. that opened at the New York uh, Public Library for the Performing Arts and has been at the Grammy Museum. It's a Grammy Museum show. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's been great opportunities to see um, Hirschfeld's work. And of course, the one other thing that we did um, over the summer was uh, our annual installation at the Algonquin Hotel, right. where we presented today's Broadway as seen by Hirschfeld. Right. And that was a big hit. People loved that. Yes. And we, I'm sure we'll be back this year as well. Let us hope. Yes. Algonquin, if you're listening, <laughs> we want to come back. Um, some of the other things we did last year, um, just some kind of Hirschfeld stories. We featured a piece on Duke Ellington. Yeah, this was a remarkable article written by a real Ellington scholar. Right. Um, basically, I think it was the first caricature of Duke Ellington. Yeah, I think uh, among the first caricatures, right. and more importantly, and I think this is such a contemporary issue today, is that Hirschfeld's work was used essentially to combat racism. Right. Uh, Ellington's manager had set up Ellington's first national tour, and um, he realized that papers in the Midwest would probably not want to run a photograph of a mm. black man. Mm -hmm. uh, so he came up with this idea of getting Hirschfeld to do a caricature. Right, right. Uh, and he, uh, Ellington was primarily playing movie theaters. Mm. And the press kit was done very much like a movie press book, a film press book. Yeah. And there was a special note in there, confidential note, telling uh, uh, the exhibitors, the theater owners, that... You might have uh, you might have better uh, luck to run this caricature. Right, rather they than a they didn't come right out and say you won't be able to run a picture of a black man. Right, but right. Uh, it was implied. Strongly suggest. Yeah, strongly yeah. suggest yeah. is exactly right. Um, so it's a great article. You should definitely read it. 
And then something that happens basically every day here at the office is we have a wonderful admirer of Hirschfeld named Jay Polk. And hey, Jay. I still think he's going to put me out of a job one day. One day I'm going to come in. <laughs> I'm going to hear once again, Jay Polk found two new drawings yesterday. We don't need you anymore, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but for real, we love Jay Polk and he is literally every day finding, I mean, honestly, at least two drawings. <laughs> it's really incredible. He does a lot of work. I guess it's in Google Books. Is that what it's uh, in? And newspapers.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, just looking for Hirschfeld drawings that either we don't have a reproduction of um, because, you know, especially the movie work um, right. in the 50s, 60s, 70s, he wasn't always given a copy of. Right. Or they just ran in newspapers only in Texas or whatever. Right. And so we don't have copies of those, but we know they exist. But then also, I mean, almost just as often he finds drawings that we just have no idea existed at all. Right. Um, it, which is even sweeter. <laughs> I mean, one of the ones we showed uh, in our, if you go to our news section on our website, you will see a quote unquote new drawing of the film of West Side Story. <laughs> uh, it was only done in 1972, but uh, for those of us here at the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, we only saw it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Right, right. And what's remarkable is. He had drawn the film for United Artists, did three different drawings right. for the film when it came out in the early 1960s. Um, why he did this one in 1972, it was, I think, for a TV showing. Mm. And uh, what's interesting is all the characters look a little bit more hairy. Oh, that's funny. You well, know, it's the 70s. Right, exactly. <laughs> it has a very 70s feel yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny when you said a quote-unquote um, new drawing of West Side Story. Yeah. Um, it is, and we, we always say Hirschfeld did not like to repeat himself, but at the end of the day, there's only so much you can change. Um, right. When you're drawing the same scene or the same film. Right. So um, it's very clearly, you know, it's Influence. very exactly from those older drawings. So I just thought it was funny you say that. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's we all, I mean, he really didn't like to repeat himself. And this is a new draw. It is a different drawing. But in a lot of ways, it is extremely similar to the previous. And ones. there were only 12 years between it. Right. And, right. Yeah. Uh, they were done for fundamentally different audiences. That's true. That's true as well. Yeah. So um, it, it, in that regards. But Jay has found uh, some great drawings of Angela yeah. Lansbury, mm -hmm. Sammy Davis, Anastasia. Julie Harris. Yeah. And yeah. Julie Harris and Anastasia. Uh, he just sent one the other day of uh, Dennis O'Keefe. He mm -hmm. had a TV mm -hmm. show in the 50s. A few James Bond pieces. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just been great. So yeah. we really appreciate that. We found some things. We just had uh, photographed uh, yesterday a wonderful drawing yeah. of Agnes DeMille That's that was used nice. uh, as part of a tribute uh, probably 30, 40 years mm -hmm. ago. Um, and we knew it existed, but we just got a request to license it. And so we arranged to have it photographed. And it's a really sweet piece. It is. Um, we'll be putting all these up on the website as they come in and as we sort of process them and put them into our database so you'll get a yeah. chance to see them. But um, by all means, check out the website. We're For sure. Always putting new things up there literally every day. Yep. Uh, it was Ray Bolger's birthday yesterday, and I yes, noticed that we had a, uh, <laughs> a couple of drawings that yep. hadn't been put up, so we put about four or five more drawings up yep. just for Ray Bolger. Yeah, oh, anything for Ray Bolger, though, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Ray Bolger. Who doesn't? Okay. Uh, um, and, and then... the. And this sort of ties in with the business of Hirschfeld because there are drawings that we didn't know exist, still existed, coming mm. up to auction yeah. all the time. This is a good one. <laughs> this is uh, well, one the, of my favorite stories in the recent 
Well, uh, I'm going to first talk about Cabin in the Sky. Oh, okay. That's a good one, too. Uh, which came up at an auction at Swan Gallery earlier this year. This is the original Broadway production. Yeah, with Re- Ethel Waters. Yeah. Yeah. Really important show in Broadway history and African-American history. Mm-hmm. Um, but that went up at auction earlier this year for $32,500. Wow. It is a... It's really a beautiful drawing. It's a great image if you see the reproduction like in the newspaper on the website. It's a great image. But when you see that actual drawing, oh, Nothing like just, seeing the actual no, drawing. No, there's not. It's really, it's so different. And then uh, a, a book cover uh, from a 1971 book by Richard and Noble mm-hmm. called Why a Duck. Um, I had always Wyaduck? thought... <laughs> <laughs> this is what I have to work with every day. Um you created this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she had never seen a Marx Brothers film no. before she started working here, folks. That's true. We have and now I love them. them so so dearly, so dearly. Uh, in any event, uh, we've known about this book for years. Uh, yes. It has uh, uh, portrait heads yeah. of uh, Groucho, of Harpo, Brothers. and Chico. Yep. Um, I had just assumed that. They had taken these from previous drawings. Uh, for sh- I also assume that. I mean, it just when you look at the the cover of the book, it's just like three floating heads of the Marx Brothers that look like basically every other drawing of the Marx Brothers by Hirschfeld because right. they all pretty much look the same. Um, it, you know, it's almost exactly a, the collage drawing, right? Very, the very portrait, similar uh, National to Portrait that. Gallery in in composition. Right. So um, we just assumed that it wasn't really a drawing. It was just, you know, this composite. composite. Right. It made sense that way. Well, here it is. Swan Gallery again gets this uh, Hirschfeld drawing, and it's the real deal. Yeah. It's it's just the whole cover of the three. I mean, it's amazing. And that went uh, for $26,000. Wow. So the market for Hirschfeld drawings is very healthy, and we've certainly seen that in private sales. Drawings go for uh, anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars. Right. Um, and of course, last year we did a, a wonderful drawing of two thousand seventeen. I mean, uh, at the end of the year, uh, that we sold a drawing of Charlie Chaplin for right. fifty thousand dollars. Yes. So um, the market for Hirschfeld uh, original ink on board drawings is has is never really been strong. better. <laughs> really, it, it never, really never yeah, has been yeah, better. Yeah. Um, so we just wanted to catch you up on some of the things that we've been doing um, this year. We've got a, uh, we're going to be publishing the very first Hirschfeld sketchbook mm-hmm. uh, this fall. It'll be a limited edition. We'll be telling you more about that. We may even have a show about that yep. um, because how he worked and, and, and to create his drawings is a story unto itself. Right. Um, we're all, you're also going to be hearing about the Hirschfeld Education Program, yes. which uh, will launch uh, all the gods willing um, in September of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is bringing the Hirschfeld curriculum that was developed with the New York City Board of Education education to uh and that was in 2008 and it's been used in new york city schools and now we're taking it nationwide right. uh to underserved schools it's a free uh web-based uh um, arts education program that covers uh performing arts uh, visual arts uh, music dance uh all kinds of things right right it's really a great program and we're going to be telling you more about that as the year goes on mm-hmm. Uh, but today, we are here to talk about something else altogether. Yes, Laurel and Hardy. We're doing this episode now because, honestly, it's probably long overdue. Because, long overdue. Because Stan Laurel is the person drawn most by Hirschfeld. 
Why it's not Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy, uh, we don't know. It could be a simple mistake that we're just not catching. <laughs> we may not have the Hardy drawing that goes along with, with that the, Stan Laurel. Laurel. Yeah. Um, and I know, folks, I know you're on the edge of your seat. I'm going to count the number of times Hirschfeld drew S.J. Perlman. I just haven't got to no, it she's yet. Because I'm pretty sure it's past Stan Laurel. But as of this recording, Stan Laurel was drawn more times than anyone else. Um, we always say, I mean, he has that distinction. Julie Andrews has the distinction of being the woman drawn most. Yeah. Which means... Um, Girl power. Well, still a lot. Uh, the other reason we're doing it is because, as you may have seen, in December of 2018, there was a biopic release called Stan and Ollie um, that stars Steve Coogan and John C. Riley as the as the devilish duo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, we hear it's great, actually. Yeah, it um, looks great. Um, and we'll, we haven't seen it yet, but we no, hope to. No, no. Um, is it playing around us? Uh, I'm sure. I'll have to check. Yeah. I'm we can sure. have an office uh, office party. <laughs> She's always suggesting things to do outside <laughs> the office that really have nothing to do with work. <laughs> what? That totally does. David once told me, now this is probably four years ago, very close to when I first started working here. I said something, and um, I don't remember what it was, and he said, Catherine, at least, you know, Well, it for was this negative job, about Law and Hardy. I think I just said, like, I haven't seen one of their films, and I have no interest in seeing one of their films. Now, this was at the time, okay? I've changed a little bit. And he said, Catherine, at least, you know, for this job, you at least have to feign some interest in Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> and we say that probably once a month around here. It's kind of a, <laughs> a catchphrase around here. Yes. So. Uh, but, you know, she's been exposed to it. And I think she has a much deeper appreciation for, sure. for Laurel and Hardy. Yes. As well as a lot of the silent clowns. I love my silent clowns. Now, I'm a chaplain lady myself. I'm a Keaton person. I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. And I know Stephen Kroeninger, you're going to yell at me. <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, Hirschfeld and uh, Lone Hardy sort of came to MGM uh, around the same time. That's true. Uh, Hirschfeld started working at MG, start, started working for MGM in 1927. Mm. And that was the same year that year. the studio, they didn't sign uh, Lone Hardy they, uh, but it was the year that Law and Hardy signed with Hal Roach, mm. and Hal Roach's films were distributed by MGM. Gotcha. So MGM did the publicity for those films. Right, right. Which meant that they were turning to artists just like Hirschfeld mm. to create the uh, images of right. Law and Hardy. Yeah. And the first one that we've documented uh, that they show up in a Hirschfeld drawing is in a uh, 1929, what is called a film yearbook. It was mm. uh, a book, a very colorful book that was literally taken by traveling salesmen to theaters around the country as a way to sort of show them the films that the studio was making so that the exhibitors, the theater owners, would take MGM's product. Right. And uh, the crazy thing about these uh, yearbooks is nine times out of ten, the films had not been made yet. They often did not have scripts yet. Right. They had titles and stars who were going to be in them. And maybe the artists were given a couple of lines of description and they would create what was known as the flash the 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 sort of visual imagery that would excite 
theater owners to say, gosh, that's a picture that I want. Right. I think the best example of this in Hirschfeld's work is uh, the Hallelujah poster. Oh, yeah. Which was done before the movie was cast or written or made. Um, it was a very dramatic image and very exciting looking. It looks like everybody's having a great time and partying in the 20s. And then I went on YouTube and you know started watching the film. No. Very depressing. Not at all <laughs> what Hirschfeld drew. Well, strangely enough, that was in the same yearbook as right. The Law and Hardy. The Law and Hardy, yes. And, and the great thing about this Law and Hardy image is it's a very early Hirschfeld drawing of them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's got this this jagged line down the left margin of the uh, of the uh, image mm -hmm. that just sort of excites you know it's it's it makes it more exciting yes. it gives yeah. it energy no reason for that to be there other than to really give it some oomph yes right yeah and then um, uh, below Law and Hardy is a scene of women uh, chasing Law and Hardy yeah. that looks like it's in an endless loop like it's just gonna oh keep yeah that's going. funny yeah I see that. Uh, but that's not really the first image. The first image is a very, very classic image that he would return to at least two other times in his career. Yes. In 1928, we, and we only know that it's 1928, we've never found the published piece that this was for, but Hirschfeld drew Law and Hardy in bed together, um, and they're, they've got what looks like a quilt. Yeah. It's a quilt made of wallpaper uh, samples mm. that strangely enough Hirschfeld had in his studio 70 years after the fact the, he had the original drawing he had the original drawing oh but he also but had he those also had the wallpaper oh my he gosh. had pieces of those wallpaper wow. samples uh, stuffed into a drawer because I found them one yeah. day and I thought oh my god this is the same material um, Hirschfeld was not a pack rat but I think he thought maybe he'd you say that but I'm not <laughs> <laughs> It was all stuff that he used, you know. Thank goodness uh, he saved it, though. Well, uh, I'd much a, rather people save it than well, not uh, save here's, it. Well, here's something that he saved that he ended up using again. Mm. Uh, in the 30s and 40s, sometimes he would use doilies uh, to create women's dresses. Right. And uh, this is in the late 1990s. Uh, I was in the studio with him for some reason, and he didn't have a drawing to do right away. Mm. And uh, there was a drawing that he had done this uh, this idea on where the doily had become unglued and mm, was, had disappeared. Off. And I said to him, oh, it's a shame that this uh, drawing got damaged, that this yeah. doily fell off. He's like, oh, I have another one. And he literally pulled out a package of the exact same doilies. Oh, my gosh. And he cut it out and <laughs> and repaired the drawing. Wow. I mean, so, and, and you to go through that drawer, you would have thought, this is just a bunch of junk. Right. But it right. was all source material for yeah. Hirschfeld. And I, what was what was the drawing? Do you remember? I think it may have been Louisiana Purchase. Yeah, that has a doily on it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I was the, when, whenever there was a chance for Hirschfeld to sort of fix, fix a something. damaged drawing, we yeah. had him do it. Yeah. I had him do it uh, because uh, uh, he was game. He right. liked working on the, you know, he. Right. He, I'm sure he, he was he happy to work. see the drawing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but back to Law and Hardy. Um, the very first film poster that we know of um, by uh, Hirschfeld of Law and Hardy is a film called Another Fine Mess. Yes. Which would become almost a catchphrase of Law and Hardy. Yeah, right. Although they never said it. Oh really? Yeah, that's funny. Um, so because isn't it like isn't it like um, what another mess you've gotten us in or right? Is another it, good this mess. This is a nice here. mess. Yeah, you've gotten. yeah, yeah. 
but he, they never actually said this is another fine mess. Right. Um, I just made every Laurel and Hardy fan listening cringe. <laughs> I just butchered their catchphrase. I'm sure it won't be the first time. No, or, or, the, the, or the last. No, I can guarantee you that. Um, now this, I mean, what's so amazing about these posters, of course, is that they were made in the thousands. Right. But how many survived today of this particular poster? Not many. Right. It went up at auction a couple of years ago and sold for over $30,000. Wow. This is a printed poster. Beautiful lithographic poster. Yeah. Uh, was it a three sheet that went up or like a one No, it was sheet? a one sheet. A one sheet. Wow. One, one sheet for that much. Yeah. So, um, and it's a wonderful image and would essentially set the mold for Hirschfeld's drawing of Law and Hardy. And I, indeed, I think the way the public perceive Law and Hardy. Right. So what's interesting about what Hirschfeld did and what we'll talk about in the specific films is once Law and Hardy's movie started being promoted by MGM, Hirschfeld did virtually all the artwork for their films, uh, primarily their feature films, but also for their shorts. Mm -hmm. And he really helped create the public's perception of, right. of these guys. He said to me one time, well, they always look like the number 10 to me. Right. Uh, Which as soon as you hear that and then look at this poster, you can't unsee it. Right. It exactly. is. It's the number 10. Stan Laurel's the one and Oliver Hardy's the zero. <laughs> um, it's perfect. Uh, and so he, now he didn't spend his life recreating this because he would draw them 60 times right but it really sort of created the mold that he was working right. in right it's it's very much the same thing as the marx brothers yes right? as soon as he gave groucho those two triangles of hair that's how the public perceived him and that's what he did and that's what hirschfeld kept doing it worked right. right he sort of found that formula of what's the essence of of this person right the especially these were characters that these right. performers were creating. Yeah. Uh, just like the Marx Brothers, Law and Hardy weren't like this when the camera stopped. Mm. They were they were normal people. Right. Uh, they you might pass Stan Laurel on the street or even Oliver Hardy on the street and not know. Right. You know they they didn't look exactly the way that they looked in their films. Um, but he was capturing their persona, right. the character that they wanted to present to the public. He mm -hmm. was joining them in what they were doing. Right, right. Um, so the same year he did Another Fine Mess, which was a short film, um, MGM, this is a great period of illustration and printed material. They also had a yearbook for short films because short films, often that ran about 20 minutes, were a big part of the movie scene at that time because right. when you went to the movies today we go to the movies we sit through 15 minutes of trailers 15 what movie theater are you going to i want to go to that one <laughs> <laughs> and what i think is always amazing is they show you the entire film in these trailers. oh for sure yeah and i think well i don't yeah. need to see oh, that I now. Saw it. great uh so then you finally get around to seeing the feature and then that, and, yeah. and it's done. Yeah. But uh, back in the day, you might see two different films. Mm. You might see a short or an, uh, a cartoon or a newsreel. Right. I mean, it was, and people spent all day kind of in the theater. Yeah, yeah. Um, were, were features a thing at this point? By yes. 19, okay, by oh, 1931, yeah. we're in Nin now. 30, uh, 31. Yeah, Oh, okay. yeah, they were, uh, and, you know, although, I mean, in many ways, Law and Hardy were perfect 
performers for Hirschfeld to draw because their comedy was primarily visual. Right. Slapstick. Slapstick. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. They were, uh, in fact, someone just uh, uh, sent us a copy of a Danish uh, edition of Kurt Vonnegut's novel Slapstick mm. that has the classic Hirschfeld drawing of Law and Hardy where Hardy's blowing through Laurel's ear. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Uh, and that was the cover of their book. That's probably my favorite one, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, I think that's that, uh, first used in Swiss Miss in 1934. Oh, I don't know. I do love the wallpaper one, though. The 1928. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You don't have to pick favorites. It's like uh, oh, a I mother and her thing. children. You I don't know. have to. That's my thing, though. What's but, your favorite, David? <laughs> uh, well, the I, I, the one for the shorts uh, uh, book yes. um, is great. The, they're wearing these ties that, uh, um, th- that have, they're essentially laughing. They say ha, ha, ha in it. Um, in that book, also, you can look on the website, you see the end papers from an MGM Shorts Year book uh, uh, oh, right yeah, here where I'm... it has Lauren Hardy and Charlie Chase and yeah. Flip the Frog and all kinds of things. Yeah, There are three drawings on our website that you can't see also from this year. And uh, the reason why you can't see them is we don't know what they are. Right. We've gotten these dates and these, you know, we know that he has these posters from his... Um, account books. Yeah, his account books. Yeah. And and so I, my guess is it might be related to one of the shorts. Right. But we don't know yet. Right. So whether you're Jay Polk or somebody else, <laughs> if you want to do some research on Law and Hardy in the 1930s, particularly out. 1930, yeah. we are interested in finding those images. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Um, and so another fine mess was actually a kind of uh, funny little film. I watched it the other night just because I was interested. And uh, it's, as I said, it's a short. And instead of running credits, they yes. have these two, they're like usherettes, these two girls. Uh, they come out and they speak all the credits. I love that. Uh, Beverly and Betty Mae Crane. I'm going to say their names because <laughs> uh, I think that's really a neat I mean, that's a great way for a woman to have a speaking role in a in a Laurel and Hardy short. I well, think it's and great. of course, this was the advent of sound. Right. And, right. Uh, uh, this, they're trying they're different. They're trying a few different things out, <laughs> having women do it, having them talk. Um, I, I like that. I think that's a really neat little. Um, well, let's see. It's the experimental alternative to the standard title cards. Yes. So, I like that. <laughs> I think that's really neat. Uh, the next film was uh, 1931. Pardon us. Yes. Uh, classic uh, prison comedy. <laughs> right, right. They seem to end up in jail or with the police a lot. Oh, they're well because they're always everybody. getting into trouble. So does Chaplin. Yeah, right. right. I mean, they. Yeah. This is that's, this so is the Marx Brothers. <laughs> right. Um, so now we have at least um, we know of uh, three at least three different posters that Hirschfeld did actually four uh, yeah four there's a 24 yeah. sheet that's not shown uh, on the website um, of pardon us mm. um, so that's a that's a serious full campaign that's a feature film uh, and what's interesting is how Roach had decided to do this picture because uh, MGM had had a big hit called The Big House uh, with uh, Chester Morris and Mm. Wallace Beery that took place, obviously, in a prison. Mm. And Hal Roach uh, thought this would be a good spoof of it, and he thought 
he could save some money because here MGM had created this set. He thought my product's being distributed by MGM. They'll let me use the prison set. And Louis B. Mayer says, sure, you can use the prison set as long as you uh, um, agree to let us use Law and Hardy in a film for MGM. That's funny. Well... Hal Roach saw that as poaching his mm. uh, his, uh, his performers, mm -hmm. and he said, no way. Oh, my goodness. And then he had a designer build an identical set. Okay. I was going to say, I don't think the way to save money is to just make the same movie again. <laughs> well, the, the, for laughs this time. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair and enough. And so the record's clear, Hirschfeld drew The Big House. Which was the movie that he wanted to use this, the right. old set from. Right, so, I mean, he didn't get too far from it. Uh, and so, as you can see, it's going to be a year-to-year -year thing here for a couple of years. Uh, pack up your troubles in 1932. This is a World War One movie. Right, a World War One movie. You don't see too many of those. You really don't, and I've actually thought about that quite a lot before. Uh, pack up your troubles, Hirschfeld did. Probably the whole campaign, we know of four drawings, mm. um, and we know that because Hirschfeld had black and white reproductions of the posters. Yes, yes, yes. Thank goodness So he for had those. a lot of movies, especially MGM movies, I mean, he did a lot of work for MGM in the early 30s, but we do have these wonderful, wonderful um, photogra photographic reproductions of many of those posters. Right. Um, which is a t total blessing that we have those. Right. And, uh, because and they're from the time as right. well. Like they were printed in 1932. Right. <laughs> Exactly. great condition and and um, we scan them and they're totally usable and wonderful and you're able to see them today yes they're all <laughs> on the website that's totally why that's the only reason you're able to see them <laughs> because we don't have those posters um, the following year um, there are two actually three different films mm. that he drew for law and Hardy uh, including one of their most famous ones uh, the first film he did was The Devil's Brother. Yes. Uh, some call sometimes called Fra Diavolo. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's based on the uh, operetta Fra Diavolo. Um, About all... the Italian bandit Fra Diavolo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has very little to do with the operetta. Mm. Um, but it gave Hirschfeld an opportunity to, um, to have them in sort of weird the funny costumes puritan like chaucer yeah something weird with great outfits. haircuts yeah awful yeah. haircuts like, <laughs> they look like monks or something right right um but there's uh, uh then the same year he did there was a short called busy bodies mm. that he did some really wonderful um he did some posters but just as importantly, he did black and white work that was used in newspapers all over the country. Mm. And, and again, he's just constantly getting it down to the essentials in this black and white line work. Um, the same year, he also drew Sons of the Desert. Yes. Which is probably their best feature film. Uh, we know he did at least one uh, poster for this. Uh, it's on the website. Um, the film itself uh, was entered into the Library of Congress, uh, deemed it culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, and selected it for preservation in the National Film Registry. Um, the film is, it's a crazy film, uh, in which they're part of this fraternal organization, Sons yes. of the Desert, like 
the Shriners. Right. They wear fezes and things like oh, that. Gotcha. And they're having a uh, convention and they want to go to and not tell their wives. Right. And somehow they convince their wives that they're going to go to Hawaii. Because that's without so much them. better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not go sure ahead. why that's better. Right. Uh, and instead they go to the convention. Well, the ocean liner that they were going on, supposed to be going on to Hawaii sinks. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, this is no good. And hijinks ensue. Oh, because that's a then, great set. Of course, their wives are very concerned. Right. And, oh, and no. they're, they're at the convention and they come back and they discover all this happening. Oh, that's funny. And all this crazy stuff happens. It's a you know really classic. Yeah. Uh, and now the Laurel and Hardy fan club. Is called the Sons of the Desert. Right. Correct? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, they're more intense than a fan club, uh, but kind of the... Right oh, way. yeah. They have the what's called tents. Right. They have these different tents all over the gotcha. place. And, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, um, wonderful people. Yeah. I mean, obsessive in the, a pleasant way. But uh, if you're going to be obsessive don't, about don't something. Even, let's not even talk about obsessives because we're the ones here doing <laughs> This we get paid for podcast. it. We yes, get paid for it. I think we can. We we love obsessives. Well, oh my god, yeah, for sure. I mean, I we're, love we're every part obsessive. Of the, we're yes. part of the problem. Yes, <laughs> and it's been very helpful to us um, to yes. be able to meet obsessives yep. who have every single thing. So oh, when we're sure. looking for something, we know exactly where to go. Yeah, they because if they, they don't have it, ain't it, nobody. It doesn't it. exist. It does not exist. All right, in 1934. Um, there's also a couple of films um, that are significant. Uh, well, we're going to start off with one that is not strictly a Lauren Hardy oh. uh, picture. Uh, oh. It's called Hail, Hal Roach. Okay, yep. Um, it is a wonderful... Uh, it, it, what, what, they, what MGM had done was put together a bunch of uh, Hal Roach shorts and made sort of an evening out of it, mm. you know, uh, uh, sort of feature-length film out of it. And Hirschfeld did a drawing of sort of many of the performers in Hal Roach films. Yeah, like I can see Patsy Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Lauren Hardy. <laughs> Lauren Hardy. Charlie Chase. Charlie Chase. Um, see, I'm not. I'm not cheating. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at the names, so I'm a little disadvantaged. Oh well, our gang's on there. Thelma okay. Todd, your good friend Thelma Todd's yeah, on I there. Yeah, I do know Thelma Todd. Um, so, the, uh, and we recently found a pencil sketch for this. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so hopefully we'll get an opportunity to share that at some point. Um, but it's it's really remarkable. And this was for celebrating his twentieth anniversary as king of screen comedy, which in nineteen thirty four is actually quite a it's actually yeah. quite a good little accomplishment. There. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the feature that they made that year was Babes in Toyland. Yes. Uh, again, based on uh, the Victor Herbert operetta, but it shares very, very little. little with the yeah. actual operetta. So I've heard. Yeah. It's <laughs> billed as one and a half hours of hilarious laughter. Um, and for this, we have a copy. We don't have the actual copy, but we have a picture of the campaign book, the press book. Right. Which shows, and you'll see it on the website, um, it shows six of the posters, really seven of the posters mm. that Hirschfeld did for this film. Wow. They got those awful haircuts again. Yeah, well, that must have been a they're, thing. They're then. still growing it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
now the same year they also MGM put together a film called Hollywood Party. Yes. This was very much like a review. Right. Uh, different directors filmed different scenes of mm, this. Mm -hmm. uh, Law and Hardy were in it. Um, Lupe Velez was in it. Jimmy Durante, The mm -hmm. Three Stooges. Um, Mickey Mouse. Is that Marie Dressler? Uh, Marie Dressler may have been okay. in it. Yeah, Mickey Mouse is in it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's great. The um, Hirschfeld did at least four posters for this. Um, but what I love about it, there's one um, in which it's Hirschfeld drawings surround an yeah. Otto Sogolo uh, drawing. Yeah, I like that uh, one. Otto Sogolo, famous for the little king. Mm. Um, and uh, so it was, it was nice to see how they got together artists uh, to create these right, uh, right. pieces. And it was Polly Moran, not Marie Dressler. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, Polly Moran often was in films with Marie Dressler, mm. just so to cover you a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, thank you, David. <laughs> now, the I thing about it. Babes in Toyland, by, also, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this, is that it would become a TV favorite in the 60s and 70s. Yes, I, I saw that, and I think that's interesting. Um, well, they kept on really... You know, it's it's a kind of well-known film of theirs, mm -hmm. although Hal Roach said it did not make money on its initial release. Right. Well, I heard it was a very good children's film without being a children's film. Right. It was very popular with kids, um, mm. whereas maybe um, I think they mentioned Alice in Wonderland, which is made for kids they might get bored with, but right. they don't get bored with this one. So, and I always like, I mean, I didn't grow up in that time of... Um, you know, waiting for Thanksgiving or whenever to watch Wizard of Oz because I wore my VHS out immediately. Um, so I was, I, I like hearing those, those holiday movies. Like that seems like such a fun idea. Right. I mean, I guess it's like watching Rudolph at Christmas, like when it right. comes on whatever, whatever they show I mean, you on. can watch it anytime now. If right, you want to, right, but, right. Uh, but the idea of having to wait till Easter or whenever it is that they're going to show this is and, fun. And when they showed it, when they showed Babes in Toyland on TV, mm -hmm. they renamed it March of the Wooding Soldiers. Right. Which and does sound like a nice little Christmas film. Yeah, it does. <laughs> But to me, the film that is uh, most interesting in 1934 is a short film called Them Thar Hills. Yes. And the reason why I find that interesting is because uh, to promote this film, uh, Hirschfeld drew masks of Laurel and Hardy. Yes. And they were promoted in the, in the press book. Also called, I think that one was called, it literally says at the top, exploitation brochure. <laughs> and in these uh, exploitation brochures or press books, um, they would not only show you all the different posters that you could order or different photographs or different black and white line art that you could order to promote the film. Mm -hmm. They would have reviews that you could just copy and okay. stick the name of your theater in. Oh, gotcha. uh, they had ideas for promotion, uh, contests, uh, things mm -hmm. like that. And they gave you dialogue mm. that you could sit on your couch and pretend you were Laurel and Hardy. That's cute. He, uh, he did ones. We have uh, we we have the actual masks yeah. of uh, Charlie Ruggles and Charlie Chase. Oh. And Hirschfeld told me that he also did Greta Garbo and John Gilbert. Oh, interesting. Um, but we've never seen those. Never found them. Yeah. Um, but the, it's the idea of this caricature had really taken on a life of its own. Right. Uh, that again, these uh, images became sort of more like the performers than the performers themselves. Right. 
and we also have a wonderful photograph. We'll have to try to find a way to put this up. Yeah. Is a photo of Lowell and Hardy wearing their Lowell and Hardy masks. Yeah. Yes, that's my favorite. I think that's just my favorite thing. One of the, my most favorite things we have yeah. is that picture of Lowell and Hardy wearing their Hirschfeld Lowell and Hardy masks. Definitely. It's it's terrific. Yes. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, 1935, I did Bonnie Scotland. Yes. Now, this is two Scotland movies in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Them Dar Hills, they they set off for Scotland, and now, now they're in Scotland, I guess, and now we're doing Bonnie Scotland. <laughs> Uh, well, Bonnie Scotland, uh, um, oh, well, in them, our hills, I think they end up in sort of some Scottish regiment or something like that. Well, it says they travel to Scotland as stowaways on a cattle boat. Oh, right. And so yeah. Bonnie Scotland Bonnie Scotland's where is they end where up joining a Scottish they regiment. They get into yeah. all this trouble. They end up uh, joining the Scottish regiment and they travel to India. Right. It's, uh, uh, you know, and the hijinks ensue Ensues, there. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you can see, I mean, originality in these films wasn't that right. you didn't go for the plot you did for the gags oh you went for, for the sure gags. for sure yeah um in 1936 they did bohemian girl mm -hmm. again a uh, very similar haircut uh, since we're <laughs> yeah. seem fixated yeah. on that well they're just not good <laughs> uh and this was thelma todd's final film before her death right uh rest in peace thelma yeah. yes uh, the same year they did, uh, Hirschfeld did a poster of Law and Hardy in Our Relations. And what's interesting about this film is that Law and Hardy play dual roles. Oh, uh, they yeah. play do, two different sets of cousins. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and it was actually a pretty funny film. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have one poster of it. He may have done more. Right. We haven't seen those yet. Right. And then in 19... I don't know what happened in 1937. There doesn't seem to be a, uh, a Hirschfeld of Law and Hardy in 1937. Yeah. But in that 1938, uh, he they do a film called Swiss Miss. Yes. Not one of their great films. But Maybe it's the one more. that has the... Uh... You know, um, Hardy blowing through Laurel's ears. Right. On the poster. This is the first time he does that yeah. sort of visual gag. Right, right. And what's interesting about the poster is wonderful because it's a Hirschfeld drawing, really a painting, and then he collages different elements. Mm. Uh, on You know, so you can really see uh, uh, Hardy's jacket is made up of different things. Um, there's a trade ad that we don't have online, which is very similar that has pieces of thread in it, mm. and uh, mm -hmm. uh, um, Laurel's hat is like a thimble. Gotcha. You know, uh, he really loved playing around with collage at this yeah. time. Yeah, um, And then there's not another uh, Hirschfeld uh, film poster for Laurel and Hardy until 1943. Yep. They made a very, uh, they finally are now making films for MGM, mm. but it's they're not good films right <laughs> and air raid wardens the film in 1943 is not one that you should run out and mm. see okay fair you enough you'll be disappointed fair enough um the last films that he drew uh are uh, was a 1944 film also mgm uh called nothing but trouble and these drawings are good but they're not as good as the classic. yeah and you know what this nothing but trouble poster they're not the number 10 Right. So we're now kind of in a new um, style. Right. They're much more sort of illustrative. They look you know, much more like a theater drawing. 
Right. Or, you know, characters. And yeah. uh, they just don't have that same instant right. recognizable exactly. quality. Yeah. Uh, they're not, although they're line, they're not pure line. Right. Right. Um, and uh, it's a shame because yeah. there's there uh, uh, it was a missed opportunity. I think. Right, right. Um, so when do they show up again? Because he doesn't stop drawing right, Law and sure. Hardy. Yeah, he stops drawing the posters. Um, uh, he's in the movies collage, um, which isn't saying much because everybody's in the movies collage. This is the history <laughs> of the movies up until 1954 right. that he drew. It was a mural at the Fifth Avenue Cinema. Yes. And in 1960, uh, the Whitney Museum of American Art acquired the drawing. Very um, popular piece um, with chaplains back in the middle. Right. You can uh, and later published as a limited edition etching. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then in 1958, Law and Hardy are among the characters in uh, the mural wallpaper right. that Hirschfeld created for James Seaman and that he had in his house. So he right. saw Law and Hardy literally every day. Every day. <laughs> every day. Um, there's a drawing on our website that's listed 1969 of Law and Hardy. I think that was done earlier. Mm. Um, again, which is really reducing them down to really pure graphic forms. Right. That's awesome. um, and in 1975, in one of his first sort of uh, when he returns to printmaking, uh, uh, George Goodstadt commissions him to do a portrait of Law and Hardy that is commonly referred to as Law and Hardy in an oval. Right. Because <laughs> it is an oval right. uh, in, uh, plate that is used on the etching. But again, I think this is as pure and wonderful uh, image of Law and Hardy oh, yeah, sure. as he ever did. Yes. I think if I was going to have one Law and Hardy image, mm -hmm. that would, that be, would the be the one. one. Yeah, I could agree with that. Um, in 1975, he recreates his uh, image of Hardy uh, blowing through Laurel's ear right. for uh, um, a Richard and Noble book right. called A Fine Mess. Uh, Richard and Noble was this character. He did the Wyatt Duck book. Right. Um, uh, he did books of Abbott and Costello that Hirschfeld did covers mm -hmm. for his book on Abbott and Costello two Marx Brothers books right. and three W.C. Fields books. Wow. Yeah. So uh, the books themselves are not that great, uh, but the covers are wonderful. Yeah, for sure, I mean, for sure. People buy them now for the covers. Yes. Um, and then he would continue, uh, they would, sh you know, Law and Hardy were sort of uh, the shorthand for Hollywood comedy mm, mm -hmm. for in the 70s and 80s right. and Hirschfeld's work. So in 1976, when he does a drawing that's simply called Hollywood that right. features Catherine Hepburn and John Wayne and Humphrey Bogart, Sammy Davis, Judy, there's Law and Hardy. Judy Garland, don't forget. Oh, Judy Garland's in there as yes, well? Yes, she is. Oh, sure she is. <laughs> Sorry, Judy. Oh, it's okay. Didn't, didn't she'll, she'll make it. Um, and then, of course, there are the stamps from 1991, Comedians by Hirschfeld. Right. And they get their own stamp. Uh, and, of course, they don't have a Nina in them, I don't right. believe. Right, right. Those were the stamps that he did, and um, they were some of the early images, um, the, some of the first drawings he did for uh, the U.S. Postal Service. Right, right. And um, they were, they're terrific. Yes, Again, he's distilled them down as much as one can distill them down. Right, right. Uh, and then um, print publishers would have him, would keep on returning. I mean, they were such sort of visually interesting 
figures. There's a great one called Here's Looking at You, where the two of them are playing musical instruments and Hardy's got his the bow of his violin is sticking in the eye of, of uh, Stan Laurel. Right. Um, in 1991, George Goodstep published another print that went along with the first set of, of, of Hirschfeld postage stamps were called Comedians by Hirschfeld. Right. So he put together an image of classic comedians with Abbott and Costello and Laurel and Hardy. Yep. So in any event, uh, what I think is amazing, when you look at the stamps, and mm -hmm. I, I think I may have said this before on somebody else, mm -hmm. but Hirschfeld drew Laurel and Hardy in their first flush of fame, you know, in their first movies, and 70 years later, Laurel and Hardy are gone. Mm -hmm. Hirschfeld's still drawing. Yeah. And he draws their literally government-sanctioned image. Right. Uh, an image that everybody has and sends letters with and, and, and whatnot. And what's amazing is he's still got another 10-plus years to go. Right. Uh, it's an amazingly long career. Uh, so we get to see performers like Laurel and Hardy throughout all of their career mm -hmm. and sort of retrospectively as right, well. Right, right. Um, so it's 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 remarkable. Um, there are still images of the team that we haven't seen. Right. Oh, for sure. That we're looking forward to. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so uh, if you find one, let us know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, at the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Yep. You can find us on Twitter at Al Hirschfeld. Yep. Um, you can write to us at info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Yep. Um, and if you write to us, we will put you on our email newsletter list so you don't have to wait to the podcast to learn the latest thing that's happening yep. with Hirschfeld. Yep. Um, and then we're, the podcast is at alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcasts. S with, you know, with an S at the end. S is for Stan, Stan Laurel. Laurel. Woo, that course. was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't rehearse that before, so it's always exciting when, As we, you can tell. when we say it together. <laughs> um, and then our music is by the wonderful pianist Dick Hyman. Yes. You can see um, his more of his work and all about him at dickhyman.com. That's correct. Yeah. And if you would do us the favor of going to uh, iTunes and rating or reviewing us, yes. that really does help other people see us yeah. and learn about us. Going there and just giving us a review. Yeah. We'd like five stars, but give us the review that you think we earned. If you want to write something about it, there's some wonderful reviews there now. Yes. We like reading them. Yes. We are vain, shallow people. <laughs> so say nice things about us. But it does really help out the podcast. Um, so if we made you smile today or I made you laugh or more unlikely David made you laugh, <laughs> uh, write it in a review for us. We'd love that. We would love that. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you when we do. Okay, bye.